This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello and welcome to With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast of Project Sanctus. I'm Reverend Kelly Isola. I'm here with my partner in crime, consciousness, and absolutely co-creation. And this is a place where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling systems of oppression, fostering liberation, and particularly at times the special challenges that arise for spiritual seekers, whether individuals or spiritual communities, um, because it's always individual and collective. So before we launch into today's show, which is we're continuing a conversation as we are halfway through Pride Month, uh, today is... Um, we're going to focus a little bit on our own stories. But before we, uh, Ogan gets us going on that conversation, we always want to thank our listeners. We always want to thank our subscribers. And we invite you and encourage you to share, um, you know, the podcast. We live stream on Facebook and you can share those videos as well. We have uh, listeners all across the U.S., I think 45 out of 50 states um, and more than 20 20 different countries around the world, um, Mexico, Singapore, Portugal, Sweden, Canada, um, even Morocco. But that might be a friend of Ogan's that holds the Morocco anchor for us. Or me listening or me listening when I'm there. Either well, either that's one. true. It could be listening or, or streaming. Streaming, you know. exactly. So uh, if you want to join us uh, in the conversation, you can message us on Facebook or Instagram. Our handle is at Get Our Holy On. You can also call and leave a message. We have a phone number, 413-438-4659. Also, it's known as 413 Get Holy. So on today's episode, as Reverend Kelly said, we are continuing our Pride discussion. We're going to be sharing our own stories. We're going to even make a connection to Juneteenth. And um, a couple of quick updates before we get started. We are going to start a new book exploration for our 846 book club. We're going to look at a book called This Hair Flesh by Cole Arthur Riley. Um, You may not recognize that author's name, but if you are anywhere connected to social justice and uh, racial justice and Black liberation on the interwebs, especially Instagram, you might be familiar with the account uh, Black Liturgies. Um, She is the creator of that uh, account and that platform and just some powerful um, spirituals, uh, slash racial justice prayers, affirmations, invocations, uh, powerful stuff. 
Uh, this is her first publication, uh, This Air Flesh, and we will be exploring this book. Um, what happened to the dates? The dates were in the script and now they're gone. We will be exploring this book from July. <laughs> I believe July, what did we decide? Thursday night. Thursday, 13th. Thursday nights from uh, July 13th to August 10th. So Thursday Correct. nights. July 13th, August 10th, that's five Thursday nights uh, from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. So you've pretty much got, what's that, three weeks, four weeks uh, to go get the book. I can't math um, to pick up the, pick up the book, uh, start your reading. Um, she is just a profoundly moving storyteller. Um, so, so this book is, is, um, stories of her, 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 her parents, her grandparents, um, and, um, just calling, calling people up, calling the ch church up, calling, uh, theology up. Um, and it's, it's a powerful work. So, um, do want to invite you all to be part of that. Um, as always, please, um, we prefer if you order your book from a black owned bookstore, we even specifically more prefer if you order from our bookstore partner, Bliss Books and Wine, um, and use, you can use the code 846book with them to get a 10% discount. So that's again, this here flesh. Uh, from July, what did I just say, 13th to mm -hmm. August 10th, five Thursdays, 7.30, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Again, you don't have to be able to be available for all of them. You can drop in whenever you want. Uh, the registration is not up on our website yet, but it will be um, pretty soon, and you do have to pre-register for it. Just give me the heads up in case you want to get the book and start reading also, always ongoing is our affinity groups every first and third Wednesday of the month um, from 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, this is, again, a safe, brave space to come have some uh, discussions and uh, around current events, around our own inner work of decolonizing our internalized white supremacy norms and all the things. Um, and the first Wednesday, it's a communal group. The second, the third Wednesday, sorry, um, is a, we uh, separate, uh, Kelly works with the white bodies. I work with the bodies of culture, as Rest uh, Manicum likes to refer to us. Uh, and, and therefore, we almost even make spaces safer um, than, than we usually do uh, to, to be ourselves and have discussions and share and laugh and cry and be angry and all the things. Um, so yeah, uh, please, we always, we always say this is, this is truly a place where, where the work is done, the ongoing work. Uh, reading a book is just giving you information. This is the practice. Um, and our next gathering will be on the 21st, Wednesday the 21st. So um, if you're listening to this before then, consider joining us. You could get more information at projectsanctus.com, where you can also uh, make a donation to keep this podcast and all our work going. And we are grateful for those who have so far. Um, so yeah, um, let's jump into our discussion today. Um, um pride we got we, we're still in the the theme of pride because it is june but um coming up um depending on when you listen to this monday is june 19th we're recording this on friday the 16th so in a few days it will be juneteenth which hopefully you should all know by now is a federal holiday 
Um, and there is no, I think it is perfect um, that these two celebrations are happening in the same month because uh, we can't we can't forget the connection between black liberation and queer liberation. They're basically, you know, I don't want to say they're one and the same because they're queer folk who aren't black, but basically they're one and the same uh, be, because because of the the uh, the simple intersectionality of of white supremacy is uh, seeks to silence, seeks to um, what's the word they want um, suppress 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 both groups um, erase do what erase erase yes um uh, remove power from or not are not allowed to truly be in seats and places of power and this is no exaggeration if you're paying attention of course you know um just all the legislations that's making their way through a lot of conservative states um seeking to remove um the rights of trans people and ban ban books and and curriculum and classes that um, um, that highlight queer and black history. By the way, I have to give a shout out before we go any further. I have to give a shout out to Illinois. Illinois, I don't know if you heard this, Kevin, became the first state to ban public libraries from banning books. Did you see this? Oh yes, yes. Yes. I so. was uh, yeah and and um um the the superintendent of the los angeles united school district um that she uh i think it was just yesterday in a you know in, in an open session she just came unglued and in a really good way because they were putting forward banning this children's book somebody was that had one sentence in it about um you know some have two moms some families have two dads um uh, and um she, but the video it, go go to youtube find the you know los angeles united school district board superintendent and she just you know lit into him and then put out a statement that they will never you know ban books that they will always support um all the things that desantis is banning let me just it's easier to say it that way there you go <laughs> There, there, there you go. So I interrupted um, you about Illinois. I'm sorry. No, that's all. I, that's all I had to say. Um, yeah. I I want to make sure that that we we always um, there, there's always so much bad news, uh, but to also always highlight that there are still people in this country that have good sense and are are making making their states, their cities, their towns. Uh, safe havens for you know good yeah. sense for equity for um trans people for queer people um i was i was moved by a beautiful story of oh, i forget the name of the town in in michigan that had their first pride parade ever very small town i think it was a hundred thousand people or something and they were expecting maybe just a few thousand people to come out and it turns out tens of thousands of people showed up and they highlighted this this uh, uh, this lesbian couple who had been together for decades and it was mm. living in this town for decades and it was the first time first time ever they felt safe and comfortable enough to hold hands in public oh my the god first 
time. I remember even, and I, I was welling up as I, as I, as I read this because, you know, to, to, to be in a, a relationship, to be in love, to be with your life partner and not be able to let that love show outside of your house is that's oppression. Frankly, yeah. just call it what it is. That is oppression. Um, and, um, and, you know, before anyone says, well, they self-imposed that oppression. N no, <laughs> not, not, not at all. They were, they were, they were very clear. They were very clear. Um, so, so the fact that things have gotten to a place where like they felt they could do this now after all these decades is, it's just very moving. So, so there's, there is some, there is some, there are some good changes and some, um, and some good, good victories um, along, along the way. So, so I segregated a little bit. Let's get back to, to that conversation about um, that connection between uh, queer liberation and, and black liberation. Well, it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it, I don't know that a lot of people realize that, um, that pride month, you know, and, and um, it got started uh, as a protest by a black transgender woman who was combating police brutality. Um, Marsha Johnson, she was an activist, self-identified drag queen, a performer, a survivor, and she's a very prominent figure in the Stonewall Uprising of 1969, which is where the roots of, uh, of Pride, Pride Day, Pride Week, Pride Month uh, come from. And, um, you know, it's uh, it, it just fighting long and hard for, um, for rights uh, what was called gay rights at the time, you know, when the movement started, um, but also that they're, you know, they're very much connected. Uh, Juneteenth, right, um, which dates back to <clears throat> the 13th Amendment officially ending slavery um, in Texas, oh, interesting, you know, which is now a state that is working hard to dismantle freedoms, but, um, but the same it's the uh, it's an invitation to look back on about the systemic ills of white supremacy um, with its origins in Texas. And while Juneteenth is one of the oldest commemorations, it's also um, how that has come about and how it becoming a federal holiday and and you know, 150 years is not unlike how Pride Month has come about. And so they both, you know, Pride and Juneteenth remind us how government control over our lives, over our health, you know, autonomy um, of LGBTQ, of Black people, of marginalized populations, uh, you know, that, that government control of all of those things is very deeply rooted in our history. And yes. so it's not a secret that Black LGBTQ community is over-policed and not just meaning actual police um, and state violence, um, which we know is persistent and pernicious and is deadly, but also how it's, you know, those, those tentacles have reached out and, and having our, our bodies um, policed, our lives, our identities. So they really go, um, they go hand in hand. Uh, so we wanted to just, you know, presence that, uh, that Juneteenth, and we are talking, you know, we are carrying our conversation from last episode to today around stories um, focusing on pride and LGBTQ plus. Yeah, 
what she said. Um, <laughs> you are listening, right? <laughs> I just you know, talking I, into the ethers. <laughs> you're talking. You're, you're talking to the listeners. I got so I got distracted because because when you mentioned the thing about about the over policing, it it triggered in me that like. Um, the Justice Department just released that report about policing in Minneapolis where George Floyd oh, yeah. was murdered. Yes. Right? Oh, that's and, right. And, and it's absolutely scathing. And they talk about how, uh, you know, police brutality complaints, you know, were, were proceeding years before George Floyd's murder. And there was a stat that jumped out at me that of the, of the police brutality and abuse complaints, 60 of them uh, 60% of them were black victims only, um, although black people make up like 20% of the population in right. Minneapolis. Yeah. So, so when you said that it triggered that and I was like, Ooh, let me go look that up and sure get that uh, stat. Right. So I got a little distracted. My bad. <laughs> okay. Well, and you never know when I'm going to stop talking or start. I, talking, so. I'm sure what you said was wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely, always. Listen, listen. I'm I'm having a bit of a I'm I'm having a bit of a day. Uh, it's it's the listen. So uh, again, segue quick quick segue. Be, and yes and no because this relates to you know last show we did um, where we shared. Mm -hmm. If you didn't listen to last uh, week's episode or last whenever last we did the episode was that last week? I've lost meaning of time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we highlighted some stories and gave you resources. To, to find stories of just, for lack of a better term, just everyday queer people who are trying to exist in this world. And, and we did that because, you know, with, with the push for legislation and all the talk about, you know, rights this and grooming that and all that, we forget we're just talking about human beings. We all, it's easy to forget that we're just talking about people. Um, so what helps, what helps bring us back to that is, is stories. So, you know, I'd said to Kelly, Hey, maybe we should tell our own stories, um, our own, um, our own journeys, um, around this, but part of an integral part of my journey is, um, if those who've known me for a while know that, um, almost eight years ago, uh, on June 23rd, almost eight years ago, my wife died from cancer. So, so I'm in that, I'm in that swell, that usual extra swell of grief emotions that happens during the month of June. June is a weird month for me. It starts with my birthday. So lots of celebrations and joy and happiness. And then about the second to third week in June, it starts to take a weird turn. <laughs> and, and, you know, so, so a lot, lot of grief emotions around there, but, um, but her death and the spate of deaths that followed later, um, I would say in the last eight years have been six deaths, seven deaths, um, um, including my father just a year and a month ago um, as well. So, so yeah, a lot of, lot of death going on. Um, and the part, part of what, um, all the dying and the grieving has done for me is really invited me to take, again, take a look at my own life, bring my own mortality into the forefront and mm. to really, you know, make apparent that life is short, not to be, what's the word, corny or, or 
you know, but life is short and we just yeah. don't know. So it's how, how are we going to live that life? Even if we live to the ripe old age of 80 something, which my dad did, um, it's, that's not a whole lot of time. Or, you know, my wife died at 42, like mm. even less time. Um, I just celebrated my 49th birthday. So it was really a question of, you know, how, how authentically am I going to live the rest of my life? And that authentic comes from knowing yourself. So that yeah. was the question. How much, how much do I really know myself? How much of myself am I willing to still discover, uncover, explore, um, and I guess love how much, how much more of myself do I not know? And then how much will I love those parts of me that I continue to uncover? Um, so going even further back, I grew up in a very evangelical, for lack of a better word, I was in Barbados, we used the Wesleyan holiness tradition. So basically evangelical with just a lot of soca and calypso and singing and dancing. So, um, and, you know, it was very Bible literal based. So um, anti LGBTQ um, growing up that, you know, I don't think we had that terminology yet, but we knew yeah. what um, we knew what homosexual meant. So it was anti that it was anti promiscuity. It was anti sex before marriage, outside of marriage. It was pretty much mostly anti everything, everything fun, anti, anti, anti everything fun. <laughs> anti everything fun. Anti everything fun, you know, which is, which is hard for a hormone riddled teenager. Um, but okay. I know, I know like worst, worst, worst time ever, <laughs> worst time ever. Um, but there were those of my, you know, friends and other people who were very much content to release that way, um, that adherence to such strictness early on. I was, I was not a rule breaker kind of person. I would rather just live in self torment, um, as as well. Um, and even after I left that um, belief system in college, um, I was in the U.S. by then, but there was still the normative internalized belief systems around relationships and around monogamy and around I guess my my own heteronormativeness like it never even occurred to me to ask the question how straight am I really <laughs> you know yeah. um, and and things like that or if I were to um, occasionally find myself attracted to a man to go like, um, that's just a fleeting thought and not do anything about it. Um, so, so it's part, part of my journey, especially in the last few years of, um, decolonizing my own internalized, um, um, cultural white supremacy, cultural, norms and those do include a lot of heteronormative things um you know we can we can we can point to how the uh, how heteronormativity um supports that system of that white supremacy system of, of of oppression it doesn't it doesn't allow it doesn't allow for a variation outside uh, a man and a woman around strict gender binaries and it is a system that 
treats women honestly as second class citizens. Um, it, it centers it centers the white straight male as the I guess the pinnacle of the ideal. Um, and again, all well, of this and, is and isn't it like white straight male married to a woman and white straight kid, female <laughs> white straight female. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Kids and um, and I always and I always I always have to pause. I always have you're to pause. You're Barbados. I'm talking. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. U.S. Yeah, but again, we 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 have our own issues. So so for us, it's it's you know our pinnacle, black straight male. Right. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. We, we make the adjustments as we need to, but. But I always, I always have to remind our listeners, especially those who might be new to the show, that um, I am that we are not, we are not disparaging white straight men. Um, we are not blaming white straight men. We're simply reminding, right. we're simply reminding that that the systems of oppression are set up to benefit you more, even un, unintentionally. You may not be doing anything in your mind intentionally to maintain this benefit and this privilege that the system was designed for you but it is um and and as a result what often happens especially for for others of us like me sometimes people of color um we 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 seek we seek to mimic those normative behaviors in order to gain more access to privilege uh and and power um, so part of part of the decolonizing work that I've done on myself and with myself over the last few years does again call into question those um, heteronormative um, assumptions that I make about the world and myself, um, and it calls into question the 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 gender binary, and again to to be obvious, there, there is no gender binary, right. um, um, kind of like race, gender is, is a construct. It is a made up thing that we have made real, um, and that we have bought into. And when we look at all the legislation that's trying to, um, reinforce that gender binary and not just reinforce it, but label it that it begins at birth is again, seeking to maintain that system of oppression because then what it's doing is suppressing the voices and the agency of those who do not fit into that binary um, because assigned female or assigned male at birth then doesn't just become about genitalia then it becomes about roles and norms and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do and where you're allowed to go and where you're not allowed to go it has far-reaching uh, implications that's not just as simple as you know penis in a vagina not to mention that not everyone is born with one or the other of those well which, and right, you know what do you, what do, you do with those folks well and even if the exterior genitalia you know is female it doesn't mean that chromosomally you are. Right. Um, exactly. And there's, there's so many, I, it not only is it not binary, there's, it, you know, I'm going to, and probably more than this, but when you start looking at 
X chromosome, Y chromosome, and all of its variants of each and all the various combinations, um, it is not, it's so far from binary <laughs> that, uh, which is why the word non-binary, you know, uh, it's really, a, you know, pretty good spot on word because it's sort of like, there's no, it really affirms there's no such thing. Um, I was, uh, um, uh, before you, uh, we, I, I just want to kind of like answer that not really hypothetical question, but, um, they're actually, I think if you look at it from the chromosomal, um, makeup, they're, they're actually six genders, um, because there's X, there's, 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 sorry, there's XX, there's XY, there's single X, there's XXY, there's XYY, there's there, because there are these, what Actually, we want to call. I think it's more than that, though. I've seen scientific articles that has those six, but then throws right. in the other things that can complicate how it manifests. But I, even I, six exactly. is, um, yeah. Well, and yeah. The, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Even the, um, if you look at the, and this I find really fascinating as a, you know, my, my undergraduate degrees are anthropology and archaeology. So I'm always looking at human history. And when you look at the history of humanity, this idea of binary, you know, male, female, uh, and, you know, what's now called heterosexual is a very small slice of time. Yes. Um, like having that be the quote unquote normative is a very small slice of time in comparison to how long humans have been, you know, wandering around Earth and um, how how we've been, how we've shown up, how we've, you know, relationships and and connections and and gender and sexuality and not that you know, we ever really had any vocabulary, but just our ways of being with each other and in relationships, this, this idea that we have now of just, you know, one man, one woman and heterosexuality, like, it's just so small compared yeah. to our history. Yes, 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 it is. Um, and um, while we want to just limit gender to two, male and female, I mean, they're like 80, <laughs> gender identities that that yeah. can be claimed not um you know when, when we factor in um all the cultures around the world and how they have right. historically um seen and understood themselves as human as human beings um so it's it's not a it's i i, I just marvel at uh and i use the word you use the word really well earlier the efforts to simply erase um what how people believe themselves to be to just erase yes. it and go you either you're a male or female based on your genitalia and like that's it and i'm like wow that's it's it's heartbreaking it's astoundingly stupid and um oh, yeah. <laughs> and but just but just like we we know it's not true like we can but anyways uh before my brain hits a wall with disbelief again as it often does when i start talking about these things um but so so i remember i remember um as i'm as i'm as i'm doing this as i'm doing this work um on my on myself 
and part of part of my realizing that um, despite the fact that I had left the church of my upbringing since I was 21, 22 years old, and there I am, you know, three years ago, 46, um, 45, 46, realizing that that internalized messaging, um, especially around um, homophobia is, um, and, and um, sex-related patriarchy is was still so deeply embedded in myself that it was not allowing me to do things like, um, as I mentioned earlier, to give validity, give validity to an attraction to someone who wasn't female or female presenting, or or my or still notice if um, a trans woman, for example, notice what happens in my in my thinking, and even in my in my being when I would see a trans woman and um, not realize she's trans, and then find out. And then notice what happens in my brain, yeah. right? Because just all of that internalized messaging around, around this, this person, something is wrong with this person, right? Oh, I thought um, I was dating a real woman. There you go. Exactly. I don't know that you've ever thought that one, but that popped yeah. in my head. Um, but all, yeah, all, all, all the messaging. Um, yeah. And, and. And to realize, as I mentioned at, at the top around telling stories, that what this is, what what now I'm doing is making this person less than. Yeah. I am dehumanizing, invisibilizing. Is that a word? Invisibilizing. Yep. Yep. There you go. Um, and then to ask myself, what I want that done to me? How has that been done to me? you know, especially as a black person living in the U S it's been done to me. Yeah. Uh, do I, do I want to pass that on to other people? And, and if I don't, then what has got, what does that have to say about my thinking around this issue and, and around myself? And then, then that leads to conversations and thoughts and beliefs I have around myself and my body as a sexual being and what that means. And all of those, again, internalize tropes around as a man this is what it means to be masculine and sexual and and what it means to have sex as a man and all of those things that I never really took the time to think about yeah. and I didn't until I'm doing this work around like racial justice because all these things when we talk about intersectionality all of these things are connected um, as as well um, so yeah, so I've come, I've come a ways, I've come a ways and I want to, and I want to share a story with you. I'm going to throw my daughter under the bus a little bit. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell her story. I'll tell you about a, a recent interaction we just had that uh, indicates um, how far I've come and how much she does not want to hear about it. Um, we, we, <laughs> we, we, we had a moment, uh, we were, we were, we were talking recently and and I said to her, um, you know, I, I got a question for you because my daughter is 22, very insightful. Like she's about as wise and insightful as 22 as it took me till 42 to get. And I'm not like exaggerating here. This is, well, this is very true. And born into a very different world. So 
there's that too yes oh absolutely 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 um so i said to her i've 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 noticed um as i've been um dating up a storm since i came back to the u.s um and and footnote um i am uh, polyamorous and have relationships with multiple people but still dating up a storm and um, I said to her, I noticed that of my relationships, the ones that seem to end the quickest uh, when I start dating happen to be black women. And, you know, and it's not that it's not that some that it doesn't work out with white women either, but but the ones that definitely go longer and that I'm finding myself um, in deeper relationships with happen to be white. The one exception being my partner, uh, Samira, who lives in Morocco. So, you know, but in terms of black American women, you know, it's not going so well. And I said to Joy, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm insightful enough to ask myself, well, if things aren't going well with relationships, who's the common factor here? That's me. <laughs> so like, what may be up with me? I said to her is like, am I not black enough? Like what is happening? And Joy says, this am is my daughter I not after, black enough? Am I not black enough? Right. Yes, I did say that out loud. Yeah. I did say that out loud. Um, and Joy said, after a moment's <clears> thought, she goes, it is you, but not the way you think. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, the thing that I think you know about Black people in the U.S., especially Black women in the U.S., is that because of being born into a system of racism and daily microaggressions, we have this emotional guardedness that we just have, um, that we carry with us. She goes, you don't have that because you weren't born into this system. You weren't raised Mm. in the system. Your default has been to see Black people everywhere in every position of power and not have racial microaggressions against you on a daily basis. Sure, you've experienced them since you've come here, but your default isn't that emotional guardedness. She goes, and I think maybe they see, they feel that in you and think that there might be a relatability issue. And I was like, okay, that's pretty profound again for a 22 year old and, um, it was like, huh, she might have something there. I don't know. Um, but then Joy goes on and then she says, how are you with dating across the gender spectrum? Because my daughter a few years ago said to me, I think you should start dating guys. That's what she says to me. And at the time I was like, mm, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm pretty sure I know that I am straight. <laughs> right. So, you know, I got to pause for one second. I can hit me. I- can't even wrap my brain around me doing that like saying that to my father At, like, like you said different born in different maybe times some other solar system you know <laughs> and he's some other species you know but you yeah. know we 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 raised a very empowered child yeah <laughs> and she's right clear that we are a safe space and you know sometimes things like that happen um and um, so, so at the time she said it, I was busy defending my straightness. Um, and so she says to me, she says to me, um, "Where are you with dating across the gender spectrum?" Oh, in the in the uh, recent conversation. In the recent yeah. in the recent conversation, okay. yes. Um, and I said, and I said, 
I said, you, you'd be proud. I've, I've come a ways. Um, and I, um, currently someone I've been dating for over a year is, is non-binary, um, assigned female at birth, but non-binary, very, very masculine, her appearance. Um, I said, I've been, I've been, um, recently chatting online with a, with a gorgeous trans woman. And I said, and still for me, it's like my attraction, like 95% of the time is towards, you know, female, females, female bodies, female appearances. Um, I said, and then I said, although recently um, I got messaged on a dating app by um, a black queer man who um, not only a good looking guy, but when I read his profile, like very, very intriguing, like a Renaissance man sort of deal. And I was like, oh, this strikes me as a very interesting person. I like what I'm reading here. And so we started, we, we made the first like, you know, connection and stuff like that. So, so then Joy says to me, Joy says, so if something happens there, will your hetero, will your heteronormativeness get in the way of it progressing in a physical way? And I said to her, no, I think I'll be all right. I've had some moments. And Joy says, what do you mean you've had some moments? I can hear her coming. She's about to be like, okay, we're done. <laughs> Pretty much. Cause I said, I, I said, I said, well, yeah, I've been to like some kink events and like some sex parties and stuff. And she goes, okay, we've come to the line. We have found the line. She goes, I didn't know we were going there, but, but, but here we are. And now let's back away slowly. Yep. <laughs> don't, don't want to know about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, but all, all that to say is, all that to say is that as as I do the work to really like dismantle and decolonize these these internalized um, things around myself, it actually opens me up to greater experiences, not just of myself, but with other people. I'm I'm realizing more and more why people go um, uh, what is it throughout the labels. Labels, labels mm. in many ways yeah. helpful, helpful in initially finding yourself, and then when you find yourself, then you realize that the kind of la that labels don't really matter anymore. Um, you know. Well, I also think it's you find a label which gives you a sense of groundedness and comfort, and then you yes. slowly discover the edges of the label aren't working. Exactly, exactly. So, so for a period of time, I, I described myself as, um, and I still do primarily like on dating apps because they want you to pick a thing, um, as, as heteroflexible, <laughs> which, which basically means that, again, my primary attraction is towards uh, women, female bodies. Uh, uh, I don't I hate the term feminine energy, but, but women and- Female presenting, um, self-identified women, cis women, trans women, bi women, queer women, um, and and at the same and at the same time, I've gone to a place of comfort of having physical slash sexual interactions with with penis owners who aren't just cis men, trans men, um, and um, but again, the the attraction is primarily one way and a much smaller amount. Um, heteroflexibility fits under the very large umbrella of bisexuality, but I 
don't use the term bisexual because when people hear that, they think, oh, you're equally attracted to and want to have relationships with men and women, which is not really the case for me. So then I keep realizing that it's like the further I drill down, the more it's like this nuanced thing of like, oh, I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to. Right. So it's like the label, the label kind of gave me a, it was like, I'm out in the ocean. The, the, the label is like a coordinates that give me my bearing, but you're in the fucking ocean waves, there's tides, there's everything just pull You don't stay put in the ocean. You're just wherever you are. And, um, and, and it's become more and more of a place of just liberation and freedom for me. And, um it's it's always a fun adventure to like then explain this to other people like you know kids and parents who who now have to go like wait what um sort of sort of deal but or or like wait i thought i saw a few years ago you were dating a woman on facebook yes exactly exactly or you say this and yet all i still see you dating a woman and it's like again yeah it's 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 who it is. Um, um, and, and to give myself the permission to, and the freedom to, to allow myself to not overthink, to question, or to label an attraction as a, should this be happening? Should I be whatever, even in the, the, how I do relationships from a place of ethical non-monogamy, the question of, is, is this wrong? Is this right? Just a place of, um is 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 there harm being done to myself is there harm being done to someone else is there is there consensual agreement is there mutual attraction then those are where we start from we don't start from the labels of male female hetero um homo bi queer we start from the labels we start with those questions first which which frees you up uh, so much in a way that um, part of me regrets I haven't, I didn't do this earlier in life. Um, you know, I just turned 49 and I was like, you know, I wouldn't say it was wasted years, but I might have enjoyed living this like from 10 years earlier or even 20 years earlier. But then again, being like this in my 20s, I probably would have made some really, really bad mistakes. Yes. <laughs> I don't, you know, the wis the wisdom of adulthood. Yes. <laughs> there, there you go. So, so, so yeah. So that's kind of where I am. That's kind of where I am. And where I am is not again the final landing place. That's where I am in the journey of of my evolution and and my awareness of myself and my sexuality and my identity and all the things. And it can it continues to evolve and and I'm continuing to enjoy being in the unknowingness of it. And I think that's what scares people a lot. They want to, they want to label a thing. They want to know. How do you settle down? Exactly. Because for a lot of folks, that's safety, right? Certainty equals safety mm-hmm. and uncertainty equals scary. And well, and, and having fun or just, you know, learning to just, live you know allow pleasure to decide and when i say pleasure i don't mean sexual pleasure i just right. mean pleasure, joy you know what's meaningful 
or you don't mean sexual pleasure exclusively because exclusively I like right it. i don't yeah. necessarily mean sexual pleasure but allowing that to guide um you know is for our culture right white body supremacy culture that's um well wait pleasure is something if you have time to get around to it exactly 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 um all right that's all i got what you got well you like to share (laughs) well um, i uh i remembered we had to i couldn't remember what time we needed to wrap things up um you know what don't worry about that just keep going okay well you know we can also extend our stories longer so i um and i plus i love hearing stories i i'm i'm a big storyteller fan um, i've taught storytelling i love telling stories i'm that one bizarre person that's happy to have you whip out the slides of the family vacation and go through them and <laughs> tell them all about it uh so um uh yes so i i absolutely enjoy hearing the stories and always learning a little bit more as, as long as we've known each other there's things that i you know didn't necessarily know um, you know, I, uh, I was a bit of an inquisitive child. Uh, that's an understatement. I think I made my mother crazy, but, um, especially theologically or, you know, like it was almost like I was this mini sociologist, cultural anthropologist, theologist, and always asking, especially when, I mean, now when I look back, I could see, you know, when I'm little, like, four, five, six, seven, and having cognitive dissonance. But I, then I didn't know that's what it was. But when something like, wait, this doesn't match that, you know. So being raised, <clears throat> I was raised uh, Catholic. Uh, although before everybody jumps on some kind of assumption of what that means, I was raised by extraordinarily progressive Catholics, like very progressive, that everybody was welcome, like really. Um, and I knew, and yet when I would be in the, so one of the things if people don't realize about the Catholic tradition is there are, um, excuse me, there are, um, diocesan priests, priests that are part of the diocese, which is really very much part of the, the social construct and, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, within a, a town, a city, a geographical, you know, and really part of the system and the structures and the organization. And then there's order priests and order priests are, yes, they're, they're connected like to papacy. However, they're, they're, when people say, oh, I love Meister Eckhart. I love Matthew Fox. I love Richard Rohr. I love, you know, um, there's an, they're all order priests, right? Um, St. Francis, you know, the Franciscans, the Jesuits, the Trappists, the Benedictines, the Dominicans, the, very uh many of them more boat rocker communities than than other ones and uh Mm -hmm. my so my experience was that and that my experience when i reflect on it was the kind of smile and wave at (laughs) at the papacy and then turn and go do what's best for humanity and um so that's what i was raised with and i remember i you know i I'm sure sitting in church, because when, you know, oftentimes the churches we walked into, you know, were, you know, the, the priest was a diocesan priest. And I don't have any doubt there were times that the the, the homily that day, you know, was anti-gay or, or, but I honestly don't remember. 
And I honestly don't didn't get the um, you know the the that whole giant message of everything you do that's fun is sinful. Like that certainly didn't go on. Um, and uh, and yet it is a you know built within it is a you know the patriarchy. But I also knew that um, that I just kind of had a sense that I get that there's this um, <clears throat> this vow of celibacy, right? And so none of these none of these order priests or monks, you know, none of them were married. But I I just I knew um, that you know, as I kind of moved into teenage years, I knew that some of them had escaped into this life because couldn't be authentically who they were out here, you know, amongst us secular people. Um, and there, but they were, you know, the spiritual dire direction that I got, the support that I got was really that were um, what I remember from it. And not that there weren't other kinds of messages was that, that God loves everyone. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't overt anyway about, um, you know, oppressing homosexuality. There certainly weren't the, like you said, the, the words of gay and lesbian, certainly not transgender. Um, that, that word never came up or queer. Um, actually, the word queer, when I was little, when that came up, that just meant weird. Like you're being, yeah. which meant weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, um, and I also recognized uh, by the time I was, you know, into teenage years and like mid high school, that I had family members that were not heterosexual, but nobody talked about it. Um, not really. Like I remember asking, um, my mom once and um, because they're family members that had long-term relationships, you know, um, self-identifying as same sex uh, and, and you know, like living together, but I wasn't thinking necessarily gay or lesbian, you know, or, or sex, but I'm like, okay, if you're living with someone for 20 years, like, isn't that like a relationship? You know, like, I just remember that cognitive dissonance. You're just really good at saving money. Yeah. You know, the roommates. The roommates. Yes. Yes. I'm air, yes. I'm air quoting roommates. Well, especially when they have separate bedrooms. Yes. Yes. And it's not, it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, poking fun at it, but it's, it's how they present. It's really sad. It's how they yes. were. It was a survival mechanism, really. Yep. Yeah. Um. And, and even as the years went on, decades go by and still have some unwilling to bring their partner into family events and, and um, rarely coming to a wedding, a funeral, um, a family reunion with their partner, um, almost never. And that always made me sad. Um, because I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, we all know, like, there's no fooling anyone here. And we don't care. Like, not that we don't care, but it doesn't, you know, whatever, however this person identifies, or however you identify the relationship, or, you know, queer or transgender or non-binary or two-spirit, whatever, again, the label thing, it's, we're good, you know. Um, but but even not 
you know, being in a family and, and the whole time for 30 years, not thinking you could bring your spouse with you. Um, I just, that's, that really saddens me that that's, you know, within, and, and I, and I know that comes out of, you know, their Catholic upbringing, but, um, but then I, I got into, um, so that was, uh, uh, anyway, so coming back to, you know, so my Catholic upbringing, I, I've recognized over the years was very, very different than most people's and boy, am I glad. Um, I don't really have baggage kind of stuff. And I remember being in, in youth groups, like in high school and having, you know, led by, you know, if we were at a, you know, the Franciscan Renewal Center and so hanging out with the Franciscan monks and we were having these conversations. I remember that, you know, and, and not certainly not the way we would today, but I remember having the conversations around, you know, sex and sexuality, because I remember thinking at one time, but wait, you're not having sex. Like, how do you get to lead this conversation? You know, um, and <laughs> that's hilarious. I, I know. And it's not like you can't, because um, it was more about eliciting, you know, us, the teenagers in, right. in speaking, you know, so and then I um, and I, I'm a recovering addict. So and I started using when I was about 12. And so it got, you know, more, you know, just as time goes on, you get more and more um, using more, free, you know, more often and more things. And the older you get, the greater access you have to whatever you want to use. And I will tell you that, um, you know, for better or for worse, um, when you're drunk or high, you certainly lose your inhibitions and you certainly go experimenting, um, which is why I chuckled a little bit when you made the comment about, you know, I probably should, you know, should have done this in my 20s. However, if I'd done it in my 20s, it might have been a little more, you know, could be a little more disastrous. That wasn't the word you used, but, you know, uh, just, you know, um, and, and so I kind of wave, put my hand up and I'm like, yep, because that was my, you know. Um, experience, um, certainly um, uninhibited. And, and also I know within that was just trying out like, who, like everything you said, who am I? What am I doing? You know, what do I like? And, and realizing the, what do I like? Who do I like? You know, the attraction thing is largely dependent on what I've been socialized to believe. And over the years wrestling with okay, is that something that someone put on me or, or is that really just my natural, you know, what feels resonant for me? Um, and, uh, so I was, um, um, you know, I've been married and, uh, um, and I also have realized over time that, um, that being, uh, being married to someone, you know, the legal marriage, married the, did the good girl, heterosexual white guy, you know, get married. Um, also married a black man um, in, uh, when I was in Kenya for a little bit. And that one is, I don't often talk about that uh, relationship because it was what we would call today polygamous. So he was already married, had five boys and his wife picked me, you know, I was there for a little while and staying you know, on their property and their compound and stuff. And she kind of picked me out and said, Ooh, there's a good one. So that's very bizarre. And, uh, you know, realizing what I had to work through in terms of 
um, the US standards, you know, that I had that, wait a minute, you can't do that. That's um, adultery. Um, right. You know, and that's a sin. And, um, and it's just wrong. Not even a sin. I mean, I don't even think I thought sin. I'm like, it's just wrong. Um, and yet, uh, it, in that context, in that place with those people at that time, it was so not. It was, it was, it has that, you know, we had a few weeks ago, a couple of lawyers um, um, on from the, uh, oh, the polyamorous, the, the legal. Yes, polyamory legal advocacy group center. Yes, center. Something. Yeah, yeah. plaque. Plaque. Center. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and one of them, one of them talking about their, their family situation and using the word nesting. Right. Yes. Um, and uh, it's a it's a wonderful term because I think it really supports when you're outside this box of heteronormative one, you know, um, just mm -hmm. people kind of thing. Um, but that it 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 does you know that idea. It takes a village is really true. So in that context, it was and I don't know that I've ever spoken about it so publicly before, but I've shared it with people and mm -hmm. I don't have any, you know, embarrassment about it at all or any shame. Um, it's just, it's very different cultural context, but what it did was it very much moved me through the socialization of white body supremacy cultural norms here mm -hmm. in the US. So that by the time I came back to America, I was like, um, I just didn't as more and more, you know, in the US, um, you know, more and more people, for lack of a better term, coming out uh, in, you know, in more conversations about racism and sexism and gender and LGBTQ, I just didn't have a lot of, I didn't realize it, but I just, I was good with whatever. Um, yeah. And, uh, and not that I still necessarily don't have work to do. I'm not on apps the way you are. You know, I don't have, a, I don't spend time swiping left and right much. Argu um, argu arguably, I spend too much time. <laughs> well, you know, I live vicariously through you. Um, but I, I, um, I was on a call with my brother the other day and um, uh, his, his um, daughter, is uh, identifies now as um, male, so uh, transgender, but not um, uh, not any not transgender healthcare in process because of her age um, right. and where they live, but has changed their name, has changed you know hair and the outward presentation. Um, right. So I was on a Zoom call with my brother, and I. Um, uh, she happened to peep over his shoulder and she saw my pronouns. She goes, oh, you identify as she, they? And I said, yep. And she goes, awesome. And then she left, you know, and I, I, um, is, you she know, still no is she, is she still using she pronoun or is she taking on no. he or he, okay. yeah, will, um, doesn't get so upset when, especially like someone much older, like my mother still uses right. name and the pronoun, um, and my mother's like, look, you, I, I'm 80 years old. You got to give me time to, you know, <laughs> to work through it. But, um, but it just, uh, you know, almost no one ever asks me or, or, you know, says anything about the she, they, but it just, 
it's a way for me to say, I identify as, as a woman, you know, as female. Um, and, and the they is, is, um, uh, you know, there is this large chunk of me that, you know, I guess if someone needed kind of the label would be, um, what did you call it though? Heterofluid? Flexible. Heterofluid. Flexible, yeah. So, so there's a large, uh, you know, piece of me that would, you know, identify as heterosexual and the they part is that the attraction thing. Cause yeah. I, I think, I think where, where I got confused for a long time was that attraction equaled sex and it's not yes. necessarily right. Um, attraction is like, I could, you know, if I were to, <clears throat> um, yeah, there are know. many different categories of, of attraction. Yeah. But 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 the normative culture, especially yeah. patriarchal normative culture, says any kind of attraction means sexual. Right. Right. So, and um, and intellectual forming, attraction, romantic attraction, uh, all sorts of different attraction. Yeah, yeah. But even and even physical attraction doesn't necessarily yes. mean intercourse. Right. Um, it's yes. it's and so I recognize how challenging it can be for people that have been in, you know, a binary box forever. And like, don't you yes. need to pick one and settle down with that? And I'm like, yeah, no, like did that. Uh, and, um, but it actually, what happened is probably about, I don't know, almost 15 years ago, came across, maybe not quite, but anyway, came across the gender bread exercise. I don't know if, if you've ever oh, seen it. Oh, what is that? Gender oh, bread? So look up gender bread. Look up gender bread exercise. Um, look it up now. Yeah. And and I started to discover that, oh, there's a spectrum for all these things. Male, female, masculine, feminine, you know, for gender, for sexual identity, for biology, biological sex. Like there was all these, like it wasn't just one thing or the other. And I just started to learn. And that was where I started to learn about attraction. And I'm like, oh, which so is kind of what the they is about, is it's not um, that there's there's more to me than just, you know, I prefer male presenting, you know, um, individuals. And yet there's also this piece of me that has, that is attracted, you know, to whomever for whatever reason. So, um, so, um, yes, Google, Google genderbred, there's the genderbred person. Yep. Um, and this is very cool. So it's like categories, uh, gender identity, gender expression, yes. biological sex, sexually attracted to romantically attracted to, yes. um, and, and yes, we don't, especially those last two, sexual attraction or romantic attraction. So many people haven't taken the time to understand the difference between those two and, and, and breaking them, breaking them down. Um, and, and again, finding them, finding where they are in that, in that mix as well. Yeah. So I started using it in classes, you know, around inclusivity and around, you know, L LGBTQ plus. And so I started using that, um, as a way to get people to, oh, you know, uh, because it was just, um, it just worked really well to, and, and to have people, there's an exercise you can do yourself and put yourself on mm -hmm. these different you know, spectrums. So to just, you know, wrestle with your own, 
boxes, you know, and wrestle with your own, okay, this is the limit of what I can wrap my head around. Okay, and let's keep pushing the edge of that. Yes, um, I will put that, I'm doing it right now as we talk, I'm putting it in the, uh, um, the Facebook, on our Facebook uh, stream, uh, stream on our Facebook, the live stream video, and I will also put it in the podcast show notes so that if any of you want to go investigate your, where you land in the identity, attraction, expression, sex, sex orientation. Um, um, yeah. What's the word? Uh, yeah. Gingerbread. <laughs> gingerbread. 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 Not ginger, it looks, gender. It looks, because <laughs> the it illustration looks like a gingerbread is person. like a gingerbread person, right? Yes. Exactly. Yes. Uh, the, 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 the gingerbread. Um, so yeah, um, that's, 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 um, sorry, was there, was there more you wanted to share? The only thing, the only thing that um, I, the, the last piece I would, and you know, there's always a whole lot more to the story, but the, the last piece is, is um, uh, you know, there have, um, they have multiple, you know, relatives, uh, cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, and, and you know, within the close knit family and further out um, that, identify as as you know lgbtq plus and it's interesting to watch um my own family um at times you know not talk about like we all know and then when somebody does finally you know over the years finally tell someone the family oh well you know i'm gay or or whatever label they use and i watch me my insides and most everybody around me go yeah we knew you know, like it's right. like there's never been a surprise. And right. so I, I, which on one hand, I think, okay. And, uh, but there's also a big part of me that feels really sad about that, that the person yeah. for so long really believed couldn't be authentically who they were or closest, can't tell closest family members or even, you know, a little bit extended family. I just, it just really saddens me. Um, and I, and it's even sadder that, that there's a concerted effort to, as if it wasn't hard enough to, 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 to come out, you know, with your own story and share now, now there's a concerted effort to make that even harder, yes. um, you know, in, in some States as people are truly feeling, feeling targeted and, um, and what, what I think is just bizarre, and I use the word bizarre, the amount of effort, which we're very clear is simply for politicization purposes, um, the, amount of, the amount of anti-trans effort when, when you look at the numbers, people who identify as trans are somewhat like, like one and a half percent of, of the folk in this country. And, and the, the, the narrative that one and a half percent of the folk in this country are seeking to somehow convert and groom the other 98 and a half percent. I'm like, I don't do math good, but I know that's not a thing that can't be happening. Um, so it's, it's, it's just so, it's just so bizarre. And, but but part of the issue is because there's only that one and a half percent, the vast majority of people in the U.S. do not know a trans person. They do I not know. know a non-binary person. And as a result, we always fear 
who and what we don't know. And and I'm pretty sure most all of those people have shared a bathroom. Exactly. And, and if you know it. <laughs> And if you remember real sentiment around, for example, same-sex marriage change as more and more people, you know, came out of the closet and more and more straight people were able to say, to your point, I have a brother, I have a cousin, I have a neighbor, I have a, a, a congregant who's next to me. I know people who are gay and guess what? They're normal. <laughs> they're, you know, and I don't like to use the word normal, but they're just people. They're, they're just people. And the only difference is they like someone of the same sex. And other than that, but when it comes down to it, like that's not a big deal that has affected my life in any way, shape, or form. I know. We love who we love. So exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's, you know, I, it's almost like I want to say, go find a trans person and get to know them. <laughs> right? Yeah, or go get a hobby. Like, just go find <laughs> that, that <laughs> Go get a hobby. <sighs> oh, my God. Clean up um, your own little corner of the world, and then you can say something. Ex ex exactly, exactly. Who people choose to be and who they choose to love does not impact your life in any way, shape, or form. No, it doesn't. Um, it, it does it it does it does not um unless 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 it's it's triggering in you some questions and questions well, clearly it is because they're coming out fighting violently exactly uh and questions that for some reason you are in a space that has taught you not to entertain those questions and you don't want to end in those questions and then in that case then yeah and in some way shape or form i'm sorry that you are also oppressed you're also you're, you're being oppressed by rules of your own making that you're you're supported in the wider in the wider scheme of things so so yeah um it's it's a hard it's a hard place to be um all right are we feeling we're feeling good with our sharing are we ready to wrap yeah, up for now yeah all right Okay, for we now we got more right. stories, but we got lots exactly. of podcasts coming. We do. Let's let's you know we'll check in with each other around this uh, the same time next year and see see how much further it's see how much further correct. we evolved. Yeah, how much more swiping left and right <laughs> or less, or well, if you, they, or if we've settled down. The or if you settle down, I I will I will say there's objectively less now because I think I've reached that like like bandwidth saturation point. Well, there are only uh, so many hours in a day. They are so many. You, you are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And um, in a and in an effort to, I, I gave myself, not gave myself, I invited myself to, in the grand scheme of things, because of the way I've done relationships unhealthily in the past, where I have totally like just merged with the other person. Um, I have given myself the invitation to, keep myself as my primary relationship in terms of both time and attention and yeah it's beginning to encroach on that it has encroached on that so a lot of this is going like all right um you used to lose yourself in one person now you're about to lose yourself in like four or five that's not that was not the point of this <laughs> wheel it back wheel it back shut the apps down for a little bit just just be with the people that yeah i don't need you to lose there. yourself because i kind of need you <laughs> you know what i need me too <laughs> <laughs> i i need me too 
Oh my goodness. All right. So um, what we would like to invite you who are listening to do is yes, if you don't know a trans person or a queer person or any of the people that seem to be being targeted these days, see if you can get yourself the opportunity to know them or at the very least get online and read their stories um, and realize that these are real people we're talking about. We're not talking about ideologies. We're not talking about some nefarious plot. We're, we're talking about real people who are simply trying to live and love as they see works for them that really does not affect your everyday life. Um, so, and if you know people who seem hellbent um, on perpetuating that narrative, invite them to read some stories too. Um, as well and get to know some people as well when we when we know we are less um, afraid um, send them this podcast um, and I also in the show notes of this podcast put a couple of links and resources uh, so check those out as well uh, please visit projectsanctus.com to um, get some information about the work that we do join our affinity groups in a little uh, little bit we'll have the uh, information and registration up for our book study. Um, again, it's This Hair Flesh by Cole Arthur Riley, starting on July 13th. Yep. Is that right? Yes. Thank you. Uh, five Thursdays, starting July 13th. Um, and you can also make a donation to uh, support the work that we do. It's just Reverend Kelly and I doing all the things um, and to keep this podcast and this train running. Um, if you have that one friend that still doesn't know what a podcast is, you can find all these episodes online at withlemonjusticeforall.podbean.com. Otherwise, we're on all the podcast uh, platforms. And if you happen to, uh, if you're listening on the platform or you know a friend who's listening on the platform that we're not on, please let us know. We'll, we'll get the podcast up there i think that covers it all for this episode so until we meet again before i say our closing line i just want to uh remind everybody listening especially to the lgbtq plus folks to celebrate this month to stand fast in your value and your dignity and the greatness that you are um, stand up for your rights and that you are absolutely seen celebrated and affirmed simply because you exist so yes. let's get our holy hands.